And welcome back, everybody. Episode 11 of the Announcer Schedule Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMott Mollen. You know him from the Twitter handle, at Announcer Skeds, as uh, many of you continue to follow to get all the insight and analysis on who's calling which games. We're here to talk about it. Don't forget, you can uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that. Get the podcast on the Apple Podcasts. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on the Sports Media Watch feed. Just subscribe to that feed. You get three podcasts for the price of one. Zero dollars, Phil. And we are back with a lot of NFL news, college football news, and we'll be talking to play-by-player Roxy Bernstein at the uh, back end of the podcast. If you've ever driven around your car or had those, you know, I'm on the East Coast. You get those West Coast games on like the Pac-12 network, you get a Roxy Bernstein calling a Cal Bears game. Or, you know, you put on MLB Network or ESPN Radio on the weekend, you hear old Roxy Bernstein college football. So a versatile play-by-player, and we got a lot of versatility in the topics this week. Yeah, looking forward to catching up with Roxy, you know, uh, Cal Berkeley alum and – you know, based out there in the West Coast, but does a lot of work on the national level as well. So looking forward to that. And we continue to count down to the start of football season, both NFL and college football, and a lot to go over there. Yeah, last week we uh, unveiled, Fox did anyway, their uh, Fox NFL teams. They gave you that last week on the podcast. Uh, This week, CBS has revealed their list and uh, their teams and their games for week number one as well. And it looks like uh, CBS, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, uh, there are no changes to the CBS lineup. They're pretty much going with the same crew, same teams that they had last year. Am I wrong about that? Um, You're correct for the most part. Uh, Other than a couple of new reporters, sideline reporters, the pairings are pretty much the same. You know, the, the announcers you'll see in the booth, Uh, pretty much the same. Um, Just to go over them briefly, you know, that number one team of Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson, no change there. Uh, Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, and Evan Washburn. And then Kevin Harlan, Trent Green, and Melanie Collins. Uh, Those are your kind of one, two, and three teams. Uh, Greg Gumbel, um, Adam Archuleta, and A.J. Ross make up another of the CBS game announcing crews. And then there's a couple of two-person crews, reporter sort of TBD, depending on rotations and that kind of thing. Uh, Andrew Catalan and James Lofton, Spiro Didis and Jay Feely, and then Tom McCarthy, um, one of your guys from up in Philadelphia, along with Tiki Barber. Um, The reporters, um, Amanda Renner is um, one of the reporters. She does a bunch of golf, and so you'll see her on some of these games. Um, and also Michael Grady. Uh, he's a new face as terms of a reporter. And Aditi Kinkabwala, who is part of the Browns uh, broadcast crew as well, she'll be on the scene as a sideline reporter as well. So other than those You know, sideline reporters, um, pretty much business as usual for NFL on CBS. I do want to also mention on the play-by-play side, Beth Moens. uh, You may see her occasionally as well. She was listed as part of that press release, you know, sort of a a rover as well. So we're all set as far as CBS. They also gave their pairings in terms of who's calling what game week one. And so we've got a good understanding heading into the, the NFL season 
um, who we'll see for all those week one games yeah. and who we'll see across the networks. Yeah, Aditi, by the way, she was at NFL Network, so she gets the sideline now at CBS. Uh, game one, uh, Jim Nance, Romo, Wolfson, she kind of – Tracy Wolfson uh, put the schedule out there, so we'll give her the hat tip here. Uh, they're going to do the, the Chiefs-Cardinals game 425 in week number one. That's the number one CBS team. Uh, they'll get Chiefs and Cardinals, Iron Eagle – that team, they'll do uh, Bengals, so you'll see the Super Bowl champs, uh, or the runner-up, I should say, the AFC champs, against the Steelers in that 1 o'clock game with the number 2 team. And Kevin Harlan and Trent Green, they'll get the other 425 games, Raiders and Chargers, another good one. So uh, CBS gets a good uh, couple of games in that first week there. Patriots-Dolphins, that'll be Greg Gumble, Adam Archuleta. Uh, Colts and Houston, that's Tom McCarthy and Tiki Barber. So Tiki's back on... Um, uh, doing games, obviously he had a quick ascent and then kind of fallen back. He was doing uh, NBC a while back, and now you see him on these CBS games. And then you've got um, Catalan on the Jets game with James Lofton. Lofton also will do some Westwood One radio, I guess. You hear him from time to time on that side. And as you mentioned, Spiro Didi's Jay Feely. Uh, that's the Browns and uh, Panthers. So that's your CBS Week One, and they they have a really deep. Line up there. You mentioned Beth Moens too. She did a lot of college football on the ESPN side, correct? Yeah, she she's been with ESPN for years. You know, um, doing hoops and in, in football as well, and also has this opportunity with the NFL on CBS. So we'll we'll see where she gets slotted in throughout the season as well. And yeah, you mentioned the four twenty five p.m. game. You know, those are a couple. Uh, heavyweight matchups with some some big and big name announcing crews too that KC Arizona uh, Nance crew and then the uh, Raiders um, game for the the Kevin Harlan crew and you know that's going opposite of the Fox games at 425 week one which we uh, talked about a little bit last week Green Bay Minnesota which will be the debut of that Burkhart Olsen Andrews Rinaldi crew and then also Giants versus Tennessee with uh, our pal Kevin Kugler and yeah. Mark Sanchez. So, you know, a lot of big matchups that week one, um, Sunday, September the 11th, and uh, looking forward to that. By the way, Beth Mowens used to be paired up with Anthony Becht on those uh, ESPN college football games. We'll have to get Anthony on the podcast. He's now the head football coach for the XFL St. Louis franchise. I know he's been down in St. Louis frequenting a lot of the uh, – uh, food establishments down there getting uh, to the lay land. But he worked a lot with Beth Mowens on college football. Um, we did um, – so we got the week one set, NFL on Fox. We had that last week for you. We did have a quick um, um, uh, correction from last week. We did have uh, the Thursday night Amazon Prime we mentioned. It is not an Amazon Prime for the Thursday kickoff. That is a Sunday night football franchise game on Thursday night. So NBC will get that Thursday night game, not Amazon Prime. Yeah, that that's exactly right. So Bill's Rams on NBC Thursday, September the eighth. Appreciate a, a listener pointing that out. You know, so the NBC crew and NBC game that first week, um, Tarico and in Collinsworth. And then Amazon Prime's debut will be week two, Chargers Chiefs with Al Michaels and uh, Kirk Herbstreet. So uh, looking forward to that. And also, you know, we had brought up Westwood One, Mike, um, was able to ascertain who will be the announcing crew for their season, regular season debut, uh, Thursday, uh, September 8th, for that Bills-Rams game on Westwood One. 
Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner. Yep, uh, I just actually uh, got done emailing uh, Rich Berg over at Westwood One. He's my affiliate uh, connect over there, so uh, I did get uh, some of the insight back from him. Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner, Bills, Rams will be the Thursday night game. And then uh, last week we did have a question from a uh, Twitter follower regarding the whereabouts of one Gus Johnson. And uh, he has talked about why he will not be a part uh, of the NFL broadcast this year. Yeah, so Gus Johnson once again will be on the number one Fox college football game on Saturdays. Um, he did do a, a good share of, of NFL these past couple seasons on Fox uh, on Sundays. Um, this year, however, he will not be working any of the NFL games. He ta- He's taking Sunday off. And the reason being, and we had mentioned this um, earlier in the summer, but in case folks uh, had missed that episode, Gus Johnson is back to school. He's at Harvard. He's in the Harvard Advanced Leadership Initiative. His second semester uh, starts in early September, uh, 50 um, leaders um, through a number of industries are all gathering and taking this advanced leadership course through none other than Harvard. So Gus Johnson putting on his uh, scholar cap and thus uh, he uh, backed away from NFL work this year so he can focus on that. So he'll you'll still be able to catch him on Saturdays uh, doing college football with Joel Klatt. Um, however, um, we likely will not see Gus Johnson due to his commitments at Harvard on Sundays. And that's his choice for the people who are wondering, why is Fox not using Gus? He made that decision. He's going back to school. He has talked about that on uh, a couple of podcasts out there. Preseason week two. Remember, there's only three weeks, so uh, only this week and then next week preseason games. And the ESPN crew is going to get a preseason game, but it's not Buck and Aikman. Yeah, um, We'll see the ESPN crew this Thursday night uh, for a preseason game. And, you know, that'll be the the Bears-Seattle matchup in Seattle, um, 8 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. And that'll be that crew of Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, Dan Orlovsky, and Laura Rutledge. Uh, We spoke of them um, earlier uh, this summer as well. You know, they're that second ESPN crew who's going to get, you know, some additional games throughout the season and moving forward as well. Uh, so we'll see Levy and Riddick in, in company for that Thursday night game. And then they'll, they'll be in action again, that same crew on Monday, uh, Monday, August the 22nd for Falcons at Jets. So uh, two appearances for that crew. And on another podcast, um, Joe Buck had revealed that they're going to be using the Thursday night game, the Bears at Seattle game, as a test broadcast for the the new ESPN Monday Night Football crew, Buck Aikman and, and Lisa Salters, and certainly, you know, all sorts of um, changes in terms of, you know, the, the s- supporting cast that uh, Joe Buck and Aikman are used to working with, you know, now working with ESPN. So Joe had mentioned on another podcast that he was going to be um, – and the rest of the crew was going to be in Seattle for a test broadcast. So kind of interesting behind-the-scenes stuff there and uh, as you know, these crews continue to prepare for the start of the regular season. Okay, so the preseason continues. Uh, and then college football, no preseason for them. They go right to regular season games, and they're going to be starting 
uh, on, what, Thursday night uh, the 1st. I know Penn State-Purdue. I don't know uh, if there's a game before that. I think the 27th, Wyoming-Illinois, that I think, play, if my memory serves. I'm going straight off the top of my head on that one, Phil. Pretty good memory, uh, Mike, no doubt, um, off the top of your head. Yeah, uh, you know, what's been referred to in the past as Week 0, Saturday, August the 27th, um, there's a – handful of games um including a fox game nebraska northwestern um a game on fs1 as well there's a a quadruple header on cbs sports network a couple acc network games but then it really gets going like you mentioned on thursday september the first um with games across um a variety of networks and then a busy friday the second in Saturday, September the 3rd. So it's just around the corner, yeah. you know, as far as college football getting started and, you know, looking forward to, you know, seeing all these broadcasters in action as well. Yeah, I know that uh, Wyoming, Illinois, August 27th is a Westwood One radio game. That's why that one was in my head. Uh, I have the uh, Westwood One uh, Compass Media Touchdown Radio and ESPN Radio college schedules, along with some other uh, Notre Dame, who uh, is on what Learfield, I believe, or IMG. Which one are they on? Do you remember? Yeah, I'm not completely sure who, you know, is the rights holder exactly for the Notre Dame radio network. I know it's a, it's a big one. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Um, you know, the, the huge following. You know, and certainly you can catch that on on Sirius and you know uh, affiliates all over the country. It's not like they're just in in the Indiana when you come to the Notre Dame radio. No, network. that is, uh, by the way, um, Paul Burmeister is the uh, play-by-player there. And uh, Ryan, uh, I'll think of it. It'll hit me here because we do carry some of the uh, Notre Dame games. We carry a lot of college football uh, here on the affiliate in Atlantic City. So that's why I have all these college football uh, uh schedules are bouncing around my head but the television lineup too espn announced their college football lineup and it's headlined by uh fowler and herb street again and uh obviously holly Rowe. yeah espn announced their full lineup you know we we've mentioning this is the time of year that these different press releases come out which are kind of all encompassing full roster announcements of these broadcast crews and ESPN, you know, a, a lot of familiar names, no doubt about it, led by, you know, Fowler, Herb Street in a row, uh, Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge, uh, Molly McGrath, uh, Joe Tessitore, uh, Greg McElroy, uh, Katie George, and then play-by-play guys like Dave Pash, Bob Wischusen, who we had on the show, uh, Mark Jones, Dave Fleming. Um, Todd McShay is going to be rotating with different crews, you know, sort of as a field analyst and also NFL draft kind of uh, perspective, you know, looking at some of these prospects. And then they announced, you know, a plethora of additional crews, grand total of 27 different crews announced by by ESPN. And when you look across, you know, the the ABC and ESPN packages to, you know, uh, ESPN2 and ESPNU, SEC Network, ACC Network, ESPN Radio, Longhorn Network, it all adds up to 27 different crews, so that's 27 play-by-play announcers, you know, with a um, opportunity to call on a weekly basis um, college football on the national level. So, 
congrats to all those folks and uh, looking forward to seeing it all in action. You know, make sure you got that uh, thumb warmed up for that remote control because there's going to be a lot of football before you know it. Well, and that's on the TV side, on the radio side, too. As I mentioned, you get weekends where, I mean, uh, Saturday, September 10th, ESPN, South Carolina, Arkansas, Westwood 1, Bama, Texas, Notre Dame, Marshall, Compass has Iowa, Iowa State, ESPN, Kentucky, Florida, USC, Stanford on the Touchdown Radio Network. So uh, every weekend filled with national college football calls as well as some other networks as well. So college football giving people the opportunity, including Roxy Bernstein, who's going to join us uh, here in about 15 minutes or so here on the Announcer Schedule podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. And, uh, of course, you can get us on the Sports Media Watch uh, feed. If you subscribe to that feed, you'll get us. uh, We drop on Thursdays, and we talked about college football Notre Dame. NBC has a new TV crew uh, for Notre Dame football. Yeah, you mentioned Notre Dame radio. Uh, Notre Dame football has announced its crew uh, that will work those NBC games, a seven-game package. And – this crew has gotten a little bit of scrutiny since the announcement. You know, the Notre Dame fans um, are perhaps a little uneasy here. Jacques Collinsworth, Chris Collinsworth's son, will be the play-by-play announcer. Jason Garrett, the analyst. Zora Stevenson, who's an up-and-comer, will be the sideline reporter. Catherine Tappen, who a lot of people thought was going to get the number one sideline reporting job for NBC NFL Um replacing Michelle Tafoya. She'll be in a host role for the Notre Dame games um, where she'll be talking to alums um, from Notre Dame on each week and also, you know, setting up the booth. But the Collinsworth Garrett team has gotten a little bit of scrutiny since the announcement. Those two worked together uh, during the USFL season and kind of have gotten fast tracked into this huge gig, which is the, Um, Notre Dame package on NBC, you know, which, you know, you look back historically and, you know, some of the, you know, biggest names in in play-by-play and um, announcing have done these games over the years, guys like Mike Tirico and Tom Hammond and um, Cricky and, you know, just the, the, you know, huge names come to mind. And Collinsworth and Garrett, um, to my knowledge, in terms of football announcing, um, their only experience is the USFL. Mm-hmm. Collinsworth has been in kind of a reporter role for NBC on a lot of their NFL stuff, you know, doing stuff from, you know, um, outside the stadium or on the sidelines and that kind of thing. He did do some play-by-play for college hoops with the Atlantic 10 package on USA Network, uh, previously NBC Sports Network. But even that was limited. Um, So, you know, this is another example of guys kind of getting thrown into this big gig and perhaps uh, maybe a little prematurely. We'll have to wait and see. But it's going to be interesting to see. These are some some big shoes that they're they're stepping into and a fan base that isn't afraid to vocalize their opinions. That's for sure. And, you know, and I, I honestly like I look back and, you know, we mentioned. 27 different crews with ESPN. That's 27 play-by-play announcers, yep. all of whom have been working, you know, games across the country year in, year out kind of thing, working their way up the ladder. And then this crew just suddenly gets one of the biggest gigs 
in the sport. You know, we'll we'll wait and see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, certainly um, has raised a number of eyebrows. Yeah. Now, uh, as you mentioned, they were kind of uh, the USFL main team, and that's kind of Garrett's only experience doing it. And, you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, one of the things I think with Notre Dame, as you mentioned, uh, some of the big names who have done it before, uh, Garrett is not really thought more of college football as he is to pro football. You know, that's one of the things with the college um, uh, announcer. Sometimes, you know, you get guys who are more attached to the college game than their pro career. Garrett was at Princeton, so he's not as attached to college football. And uh, so we'll see. Uh, they very limited ex- uh, experience. By the way, it's Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris uh, do the radio call uh, for Notre Dame. So Ryan Harris is uh, – the one on the Notre Dame uh, football radio network. All right, Notre Dame. How about that uh, MLB on Fox? This game, and I know that John and TJ on the Sports Media Watch uh, podcast, which dropped Wednesday, uh, they went into the ratings of that game, which uh, dropped considerably. And I know John John Lewis last week on their podcast had predicted about a 50% drop-off in uh, viewership. He wasn't off. Uh, the viewership was way down for Cubs and Reds at Field of Dreams, uh, which will not be happening at least next year and maybe in the future because of the big drop in ratings. But how about the announced team that night? Yeah, and I no surprise in terms of the ratings when you just look at the the matchup alone. You know, the the big news on the announcer teams. Um, you know, one. Joe Davis, you know, his, his debut on that game, you know, uh, taking over that number one MLB spot on Fox, succeeding Joe Buck. Uh, so Joe Davis was there. John Smoltz, the analyst, uh, he worked this game under some tough circumstances. His, his father had passed away, and uh, he even they even addressed it on the air, and, and uh, Smoltz had said that, you know, his father would want him to, to broadcast the game. So he was – uh, there in person in Iowa for the Field of Dreams game under those tough circumstances. Uh, Ken Rosenthal and Tom Verducci uh, were reporting um, from the field level. You know, it was kind of neat to see them all in um, uniform, you know, that throwback garb uh, with that Field of Dreams feel. And then, you know, some some interesting bells and whistles. You know, one, you know, we, we spent two shows as a tribute to Vince Scully. We were able to hear Vince Scully's voice you know, voicing over, you know, a, a big piece as part of the broadcast. And then the seventh inning stretch, you know, certainly um, turned some heads as well. Were you able to catch that, Mike? I did. I didn't see it live, but I saw uh, the, the social media reactions to the uh, Harry Carey hologram. Yeah, Harry Carey hologram uh, singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game," and you know, mixed reviews in terms of, you know, what people thought of that. Like um, everything else in some, life, right? Everything's 50-50. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I mean, I did re- read um, Chip Carey, you know, say that he he appreciated it and he liked it. Um, it seemed like, you know, at least according to the, you know, the, the director's shots of, you know, the fans in the building at the moment, that they seem to like it, you know, everybody had a huge smile on their face and that kind of thing. So yeah. maybe it didn't translate to TV exactly the way people had hoped, who knows, but, um, you know, an interesting 
uh, touch there, of course, you know, with the Cubs playing in the, in the great Harry Carey. And that was kind of his signature moment all those years, right? You know, yeah. uh, being able to, to do that seventh inning stretch. Yeah, where was Bill Murray? They should have brought him in for the seventh inning stretch. Hey, I have a question regarding – I was thinking about this, and I think it was – it may have been John and TJ that talked about this last week on the Sports Media Watch podcast. Uh, Joe Davis, who's obviously going to do the World Series, he got promoted to the number – he went from college football to the number two NFL team. Uh, Kevin Burkhardt is now number one. Um, Burkhardt does the World Series studio show. Davis will be on the play-by-play. Uh, does that mean Fox will be down two play-by-players? Although the World Series is not on a Sunday. They're doing no Sunday World Series games this year. I think I saw that. But what about the uh, championship series and the division series on Fox? Uh, they could have a situation where both Joe Davis, who's calling the World Series, and Kevin Burkhart, will he do the studio? Have they announced that yet? Yeah, I haven't seen any announcement yet. Um, you know, there there is some precedent for it. You know, based on how Joe Buck would would juggle it all in the past, and you know, he would go on this in, incredible sort of whirlwind schedule to to fit in all his obligations to the best that he could. But what they did in you know last year, I remember was was Joe Davis actually stepped in, you know, for on the NFL side. Um, I think we even saw. Um, you know, a couple of others sort of, you know, move on up kind of thing. And, you know, maybe that's a spot, you know, it's kind of further down the road, but maybe Gus Johnson could uh, wiggle his way, you know, out, uh, you know, in terms of uh, a Harvard uh, weekend off and in, in, in uh, right. step in there. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but, you know, that's often um, in, an interesting scenario. There are no Sunday you know, World on- Series games though. That I know. Okay, so that that helps matters as far right. as clearing out the Sundays. Yeah, the the Sunday there the no World Series game will be played on a Sunday. The schedule just came out on Monday for the World Series. I'd have to check to see if there are Fox Sunday games in the you know NLCS or NL uh, ALCS one of the two uh, to see if uh, any conflicts come up. But that was something I was thinking about. Is now you're losing, you know, uh, your your number two. Football player-by-player is your number one baseball play-by-player. Before, your number one guy used to be the number one guy for both. So we'll see how that all works out. So MLB. And then we got the Apple TV games, which uh, Phillies, Mets, Padres, Nationals. Uh, This week you got Blue Jays, Yankees, and Rangers, Twins. So last week the Phillies and Mets fans uh, were on the Apple TV watch. And this week you're going to get the Blue Jays and the Yankees. The Yankees. Now the Yankees are used to searching out the streaming service this year, right? They get uh, a full brigade. I think they got like 20 games on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, and it's my understanding those Amazon Prime games, however, are the, the Yankees announcers. And, you know, so, you know, you have to search it out and that kind of thing, but at least you get the, the hometown call. You know, the, the big, um, you know, sort of gripe that we keep on hearing from fans you know, the majority seem to be be able to find Apple TV Plus. It's free, you know, when it comes to to the user. However, I think you know people are still adjusting to these announcing crews, these well, booths, you know, this, different Phil, style. If I could just interject, uh, two weeks in a row the Phillies have been on Apple TV Plus. I do not have an iPhone, and therefore I cannot get Apple TV Plus on my phone. To my knowledge, I have not been able to download the app. I also have a Samsung smart TV, and I have 
not been able to download the app to my television. So because I'm not an iPhone or Apple user, it has been more challenging for me. Now, I do have cable in my bedroom, but I'm not all that thrilled about sitting in my bed on Friday night watching a baseball game. So if anybody has uh, what I can do, if there's a way I can get around it out there, certainly let us know because that has been the challenge for me. I'm not anti-streaming or going to the streaming service, but if I'm an Android user, I have not been able to download the Apple TV Plus app to my phone or my smart TV um, because I have a Samsung TV, and I guess Samsung and Apple are not very friendly, and I have an Android phone, uh, which is obviously not an iPhone. So that has been my challenge. Yeah, and and these are important points to point out because you know first of all, Mike, you know you you probably have more motivation to actually you know find one of these games and 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 watch it than most people, you know, casual fans. And then you know we're coming to football, you know, where you know the, these Amazon Prime games on Thursday night, and you know who knows down. Well, that's the what road happened to me Friday, years. Phil. Friday night, the Eagles played a preseason game at the same time the Phillies played the Mets. Now, I had more interest in the Phillies-Mets game just because, you know, a pennant race baseball against one series of starters. And keep in mind, I could watch the Eagles game. I have YouTube TV. I could pull that up on my phone and watch that. So the challenge became, well, I can't even get the Phillies game, so I'm just going to go to the football game. So I went out to an establishment. On Friday, they had the Eagles game on. They had the Little League World Series uh, regional games on. No Phillies. Barr said, can't get it. Sorry. So, I think that's something that they're going to have to figure out. Yeah, the, the bars and establishments are a big part of the formula. There's there's no doubt about that. You know, I'm, I, I think I read somewhere that Amazon Prime was, was working on solutions, at least uh, with some of the big chains, you know, like the Buffalo Wild Wings and, and those kind of things. Right. Um, but, yeah, you know, come come football season, come a Thursday night game um, where, you know, a, a horde of, um, you know, already, you know, fans with a chip on their shoulder walk into some establishment and they can't get the game. Who knows, you know, what, what kind of uh, fallout could happen. But, you know. It's it's part of these growing pains of these streaming services taking on all these games, and you know um, we'll continue to I guess adjust as the technology does as well. Yeah, it's not going away. We know that, um, and we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, John and TJ uh, probably cover this a little bit more on the Sports Media Watch podcast, where you're going to see, you know, um, the NBA might be going down that road sometime when their contract comes up. With ESPN, ABC, and TNT, you're going to see one of the streaming services try to get into the NBA as another supplier, another outlet. So uh, it's not going away, so get used to it. But if anybody out there listening to the podcast this week is in the same boat as me, an Android user, how can I get Apple uh, TV Plus games without going to my bedroom? (laughs) Because I do have Apple TV Plus through Comcast, which is my cable provider here in New Jersey. So if anybody can help me out with that, I would love it. Um, All right, so we got the Apple TV games uh, for baseball. Uh, The NHL, there's some news, and it happens to do with the Kraken, who uh, we had their play-by-player, the Seattle Kraken play-by-player, and they've got some news uh, with their broadcast, and uh, so do the Devils. 
Yeah, John Forslund, who had been on the show uh, earlier this summer, I uh, appreciate him spending some time with the Announcer Schedules podcast. Uh, he's the play-by-play announcer of the Kraken. He had come to the Kraken from the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, they have a big-name analyst now to work alongside Forslund. And, you know, so this was reported um, by outside media, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, but it became official, you know, in these past few days. Uh, Eddie Olchick, the voice of uh, so many big games on TNT and on the national level. Um, Forslund has worked with Olchick in the past on the national level, so they, they already have chemistry. And, you know, the Kraken, this is a, this is a major uh, transaction, a major hire by the Kraken to really kind of flex their muscle out in the Pacific Northwest uh, with the team of Forslund and Olchick on the local broadcast on Root Sports in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, JT Brown uh, will stick around as well as an analyst. Um, I'm imagining for the games that Olchick is on um, the national level, he's still going to work a good 25, 30 games uh, nationally for TNT. And, you know, they also hired um, Olchick's son as well, uh, Nick Olchick, to, to contribute to the broadcast also. Uh, he's been um, getting more and more assignments also. So, you know, interesting to see that from the Kraken and, also, some news um, up your way, New Jersey Devils with a with a hiring Bill Spalding. I did see that uh, Devils uh, about uh, I guess about an hour and forty five minutes. This is Flyers country down here in the southern part of the state. Phil, the Devils are the Devils to us. All right. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know they've got that name, New Jersey, but you know if you're on the south side of the state, you it know, is. That's, uh, <laughs> it is very interesting that just because the name of the state is tied in, it doesn't uh, it doesn't translate to the southern star. But I did see Bill uh, get that job, and uh, there's been a lot of uh, positive thoughts about him getting an opportunity. Yeah, he's done a lot of um, college hockey, also the Olympics um, for NBC. And uh, MSG Networks, who handles the the Devils broadcast, brings in uh, Bill Spalding. Um, so, you know, um, good for for Bill, and and uh, hopefully the Devils fan base will will enjoy his work as well. Yeah. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, hockey is uh, one of the few sports that uh, I have done play-by-play for hockey, um, but it is a very – I mean, I give those guys a lot of credit, man. That is a tough sport to do. Uh, I did the uh, hockey team in college, and, uh, man, it was a struggle. And then we had a game here in Atlantic City. Man, this was during the lockout, and they had a game at Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. It was called Operation Hat Trick. It was the only hockey game being played anywhere because of the lockout. 
and it was a bunch of uh, Jersey Devils and like uh, some retired players um, and Flyers and they and some other retired players and the like. They came. It was called Operation Hattrick because it was for Sa- uh, Hurricane Sandy. They were j- uh, raising money for Hurricane Sandy, and uh, since it was in Atlantic City, our station, we decided to air the game. And, you know, I had said, look, I have tried to do play-by-play for hockey. It is the one sport that I just am not qualified to do. And uh, we found a play-by-player to do the game, and uh, I was kind of serving as like a third voice in the booth. We actually ended up having uh, Frank Cervalli, uh, who covers the NHL. He was at um, uh, TSN in Canada. He had covered the Flyers at the time for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and now I think he's off on his own. I think he started his own streaming platform uh, but uh, he did the color commentary uh, for that game. But uh, just an up-close and personal look at the speed of that game and how difficult it is and uh, to do uh, play-by-play for. So, uh, and, and John Forslund, by the way, was one of our first guests, and, and he kind of talked about how you know hockey is just a unique uh, type of game to broadcast. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You know, a rapid fire, um, just a whole different flow than any other sport. Uh, not to mention, you know, just knowing all the the rules and intricacies of it. I'll I'll tell my, you know, story as far as a, a hockey experience. Um, you know, I've mentioned before I, I'm a freelance talent statistician, you know, for different networks and and so forth. And I did get a call once. Um, they were in. Uh, they had probably gone three or four down the the depth chart if they had gotten to me for a hockey game. But the uh, Panthers network had called and said, Hey, uh, we need a hockey talent statistician, uh, for a hockey game. I had never worked a, a hockey game before. Hmm. Um, honestly, like I, I was trying to, you know, convince them that I was underqualified. <laughs> <and> I probably <laughs> wouldn't do a very good job, but they insisted, they said, Hey, you know, you can figure it out. Come on, come on down. And so I, I went down to the arena to work this, uh, Panthers hockey game and you know i i've watched hockey on tv i've, I've watched a couple games in person that kind of thing I'm a, I'm a very casual fan but to suddenly be in that role where i'm expected to be the statistician and trying to assist the announcers um you know not even knowing really what to watch i did my absolute best with the bare minimum type of stuff and just made sure i didn't you know screw anything up but um i politely said you know probably once is enough for me on the hockey side you know keep on uh using me on football baseball basketball but i'm gonna i'm gonna pass on future hockey assignments because again it's just it's unless you know that sport inside and out you know um it's not one that you can just step on in and, and handle without uh, any issues. Well, I find that the speed of the game is one thing, but it is also the pronunciation of a lot of names that are very challenging to learn at such a, you know, I'm doing it at the college level where they don't give you a whole heck of a lot of uh, information. So maybe if you were doing it at an NHL level that you had a better grasp of it, but, you know, the speed coupled with trying to learn the names. One of the things, you know, people don't realize when people do play-by-play is you don't see a team all that often. You're trying to memorize the names on the fly a lot. Now, if you're getting it at a uh, professional sports level, you've got a lot of time to get those rosters and kind of memorize them and really know them inside and out. You meet with the teams. You know, people don't realize when you're not doing professional games or a high Division One college game, 
the ability to get those rosters and have them be accurate is challenging at times. Um, so you give um, the play-by-players at the uh, the lower levels actually many times have a much more challenging um, uh, uh, go at it than uh, they do at the professional levels. Yeah, no doubt about it, Mike. I mean, take it even further to high school football. I mean, talking about a lack of information sometimes yeah. when you're, you're heading into these games. I've worked on a couple of those crews in terms of broadcasting high school football and even on the the big levels where you know it's a national show but the information is so you know they don't have um sports information departments at most high schools very very rare you know not to mention statistics and even you know updated rosters and that kind of thing so you're you're figuring this stuff out on the fly sometimes just minutes before kickoff that kind of thing um college football no doubt is you know, the, the, the um, challenging assignment, and we've heard that from a number of our guests, that the toughest thing they work is college football. And, you know, these guys are talking about the, the high D1 level, but even on that level, you know, a new yeah. team um, where you've got to figure out, you know, these long rosters, um, you know, uh, shift gears very quickly from wherever you were prior and try to get as much information as you can in a short amount of time. And that's a lot of folks – um, with that specific assignment, we mentioned 27 different crews for, for ESPN this year, um, not to mention uh, CBS Sports Network and, you know, the, the, the NBC crew and in and, and Fox. You know, it goes on and on as far as the coverage of college football. But like you said, you know, they're, they're with streaming now, pretty much everybody, you know, um, on down to, you know, Division Three, JUCO, NAI, you name it, yeah. has got a broadcast, you know, and Absolutely. I'm part of the broadcast here, you know, it, where I work, uh, a Division Three school in the mountains of Western North Carolina, Brevard College. And so we have our fan base who are, you know, who are expecting a quality product every, you know, Saturday uh, home game here. So it's a lot of work for the play-by-play announcers on these uh, football shows to to get organized, to get ready. And like you said, sometimes, you know, going off of very scattered information and, um, you know, the one thing you want to do is pronounce names right and uh, make sure you identify players right. And if you don't even have a roster, that can be tough. Uh, this is the Announcer Schedule podcast. We're going to talk with Roxy Bernstein, play-by-player, in just a matter of moments here. You can get the podcast, rate, review, subscribe on the Sports Media Watch feed uh, the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast comes out on Wednesdays with T.J. Reeves and John Lewis. Uh, tell me a story I don't know, George Offman, on Tuesdays on the feed. And then our show, the Announcer Schedule podcast, comes out on Thursday. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and every Thursday it will get delivered. The alert will go off, and you can listen to uh, all the announcing updates and what's happening around who's going where as the football season kicks into full swing. We'll have a ton of information, college football, and then, of course, as we kind of hinted at, the Major League Baseball playoffs, we're going to have the NBA. Uh, their schedule is coming out Wednesday. Uh, it is We're taping on Wednesday. It's leaking uh, sometime today. Uh, some games have started to come out. We saw the Christmas Day teams. Uh, games have leaked out a little bit. Uh, we know the Sixers and the Celtics are playing on opening night um, on TNT. That's going to be the uh, – kickoff to the season there so uh it's going to turn into a busy time of season really quick as the summertime comes to a close uh we got roxy bernstein coming up in a second phil 
Why don't we uh, play a little uh, clip from Roxy to get our listeners ready uh, to hear his story? Uh, this is Roxy Bernstein on ESPN Radio, a little baseball for him. Longoria leads at first. Cronenworth holding the one-strike pitch. Duggar swings in a fly ball center field. Back toward right center to the warning track. Reaching up as Myers and up above the fence. He makes the catch. Will Myers rob Stephen Duggar. That was an ESPN radio call uh, that uh, you heard from Roxy Bernstein there with Myers going up, robbing uh, the, the, uh, the home run there. So just a little uh, taste of what Roxy Bernstein brings to the table Phil, which is uh, ESPN, Pac-12, Oakland A's. He's a Cal Berkeley grad. You've heard him do college football, basketball, Major League Baseball, and a plethora of other things. So this is going to be a lot of fun kind of hearing his story. Yeah, can't wait to to get into it with Roxy here in just a matter of moments. And, yeah, like you said, you know, he's he's worked with the ESPN on college basketball, college football, ESPN radio. Um, Looking forward to – hearing him talk about some of the partners he's worked with, including Bill Walton on the, the basketball side. And then, you know, that baseball clip, he's been working with ESPN radio on the, the baseball side of things quite a bit. In addition to the Oakland A's also, we saw him uh, do some of the play-by-play for college baseball, heading into the college world series this spring as well. So all over the place, Roxy Bernstein, a, a interesting career and uh, can't wait to get into it. Yeah. And let's real quick. Uh, this one is from this year's home run derby on ESPN Radio, uh, Albert Pujols. Take a listen. Up the end, did he get it? Oh, Off the top of the wall and over. Another Pujols, 18. There goes 19. What? Pujols, left center, 20. You hear the fun that he's having there. Pujols, we know we probably won't see Albert Pujols in another uh, home run derby, Phil, but you hear how much fun he's having there uh, calling that. And, and, you know, quite frankly, the home run derby on radio is a very difficult thing to call. Yeah, that's an interesting assignment in and of itself, you know, as far as the home run derby. And and like you said, on radio, painting that picture and and keeping the excitement going, but sounds like uh, he got the job done, no doubt. Yes, so uh, we'll be talking to Roxy Bernstein here. He'll be our guest this week on the Announcer's Schedule podcast in just a matter of moments. And then before we do, uh, don't forget, as we told you, uh, I, I literally am sitting here. I just got a, uh, uh, a text message from TJ. You can make sure you listen to the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Uh, that is out on Wednesdays. We will drop on Thursdays each week as uh, the Announcer's Schedule podcast. All right, we got into all of the notes this week, Phil. And now let's bring our guest in uh, for this week on the Announcer's Schedule podcast. If you've driven in your car, if you've turned on the television, you have heard the voice of Roxy Bernstein, play-by-player from just about every network possible. And he joins us now on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. Roxy, welcome inside the Announcer Schedule Podcast. How are you? Mike, Phil, thanks for having me. Doing awesome. Can't can't complain one bit. Well, uh, it's it's tough to complain when you get the front row seat you have and Tell our listeners a little bit about how you kind of uh, wiggled your way to obtain that front row seat for so many great sporting events. Well, I knew as a kid, I realized early on, I probably wasn't getting to the NBA (laughs) as much as I thought I could as a player. So what's the best next best thing to do? And that's sit courtside and be able to talk about the games. And I wanted to do that from a young age and, Follow that passion when I went to school and I played 
sports as far as it probably would take me. And then focused on this profession, which has been unbelievable, just some amazing experiences. And I keep getting new ones all the time. And I'm, I'm the luckiest guy to be doing what I'm doing and having the opportunities I get. Yeah. What would you say, Roxy, you know, so many of our guests have kind of you know, uh, explained a, a big break or somebody not showing up to something as the way they got in. Uh, was there that moment that kind of was that uh, big break for you? I had that moment with, with ESPN. I was trying for years, like a lot of people, to get in and, and talk to the, what, the, the right people. And they, look, they told me you're good, but we got contracts. We got people to worry. We, we, I don't know if there'll be an opportunity, but I'll keep you in mind. And that went on for a few years. Um, and then I was, I was broadcasting Cal basketball all the time on radio. And they happened to be in a tournament in Orlando, which uh, used to be, what, the Old Spice Classic. I think it's now uh, the, the Advocary Invitational of the Disney Wild World of Sports. So I'm sitting in the stands with uh, one of the assistant coaches from Cal, Greg Gottlieb, who's Doug Gottlieb's brother. It happens to be one of uh, Greg's one of my close friends. And we're sitting there, and this guy walked in and he sat down on press row, and then people were coming up to him and making a commotion. I'm like, who's that? And Greg knew that was Chris Farrell, who was one of the top guys for college basketball at ESPN. I exchanged emails. I talked to Chris, but I never met him. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Chris Farrell. Now I got to go talk to Chris Farrell. And so sure enough, I walked down, introduced myself, he knew exactly who I was and we remember their conversations and we're chatting for like 10, 15 minutes. And it's funny because he kept looking at his watch. I'm going, oh, crap, I'm boring the guy, right? What's going on? Well, it turns out Rich Hollenberg, who was driving over from Tampa, to also see Chris that day in Orlando. So here he is getting sandwiched by two guys trying desperately to get in and get an opportunity from ESPN. And I, I think I made a good enough impression because I was flying home the next day and I was uh, checking my phone and had an email from Chris asking me if I was available for a game three weeks later. And that was my first game at ESPN. And I've been in the fold ever since and an eternally grateful and loyal to Chris for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, Roxy, uh, you know, I, I am a brand manager at a radio station in the Atlantic City market. And I'll get the emails from Jeff Martindale telling me, you know, who's uh, calling the game. So your name is very prevalent. Uh, but, you know, it sounds like... Uh, Basketball was the first way you broke in, but then how did you kind of branch off Major League Baseball, college football, and some of the other sports? Well, I was doing minor league baseball for a number of years in addition to calling games. I got hired at, at Cal to be the radio voice of Cal basketball when I was 23, and it was a huge break and opportunity. I was in the right place at the right time. They were looking for somebody, probably wanted to go on the cheaper side, and Sure enough, here's a snot-nosed kid out of college. We'll give him an opportunity. But they knew me because I was doing games on the student radio station while I was going to school. But through baseball, I worked my way up doing minor league ball and got an opportunity to call games with the Giants in 2003 when uh, John Miller would take off and go do Sunday night baseball for ESPN. So I did a number of games for the Giants that year. Uh, 2004, I went back and did another full season of minor league ball in the 2005 uh, I was hired by the then Florida, now Miami Marlins, to be the radio voice working alongside the Hall of Famer Dave Van Horn. But I'd also done football uh, locally, whether it was cable access and high school games, just anything I could do to get my 
feet wet and get as much experience as I could possibly get. And it just kind of blossomed into this career, which I'm still amazed that I get to do the things that I'm doing. Roxy, great to see you again. I think last time we caught up was at Marlins Park yeah. when you're, you're making a return uh, to a you know Marlins game. Most recently, you've been completely on the other side of the world. You were in Israel for the inaugural birthright for college basketball tour with the Auburn men's basketball team, uh, three broadcasts on the SEC network alongside Jay Billis, but a 10 day tour with that basketball team, you know, historical, spiritual, um, had to be incredible. Tell us about that experience. It was amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better experience. First off to spend a week and a half with Jay, his lovely wife, Wendy, uh, Bruce Pearl, uh, our boss from ESPN went on the trip also. The Auburn kids, the whole staff, Auburn people were awesome to be around. And it was a, a, just an incredible experience for 10 days. They played three games over there. And it turns out one of my good friends was the coach for one of the teams that Auburn played. He played basketball at Cal back almost about 20 years ago now. So I got to spend some time with him. But when they called me in May and they're putting this deal together, hey, Auburn's going to be the first team to ever do this. Are you interested? I, I couldn't say yes fast enough. And I had visions of what this trip would go like. I'd been there before, but it exceeded every expectation that I had. And even though I was some of the museums and sites we were I was doing for a second time, you can't do them enough, like float in the Dead Sea, uh, go to the Western Wall. All, all these experiences and seeing the reaction of the Auburn kids' faces as well, uh, taking this all in, that made it worthwhile right there. But I, I just can't thank them enough for sending me and tagging me along on this trip because it was just a, an amazing experience. And can you tell us a little bit about the the basketball side of it all? What were the game broadcasts like, uh, you know, the, the opponent who Auburn would face and so forth? So the first game they played was the Israeli junior national team, the under-20 team, at least it was supposed to be. It didn't turn out to be the team because they had just got back playing from a competition. Some of them had military commitments. So uh, they ended up playing the team that just uh, competed in the Maccabi Games, and I believe they took the bronze medal. Uh, the United States, oddly enough, Doug Gottlieb coached the United States team that won the gold medal at the Maccabi games, but this was the same team essentially that had just played and they were overmatched physically. A lot of the kids were still 17, 18 years old uh, and Auburn just was too much for them. And it was a one-sided blowout. The second game got a little bit more interesting. It was against the Israeli select team. So some pros that play in the professional league over there included uh, Chris Smith, who played at Louisville, the brother of J.R. Smith, Tony Mitchell who played in the NBA, had a great brief career in North Texas. Uh, so there was some real competition in the second game that could physically stand up to Auburn, but Auburn ended up wearing them down and, and pulling away and winning by a big mount. Then the final game was the next night. So they went a back to back. It was in the a beautiful arena in downtown Tel Aviv, where the uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv professional team plays against the Israeli senior national team. And that's a legitimate, really good basketball team. You got Denny Avdia, the Washington Wizards, who played in the game that night. Uh, Yamadar, who was a second-round pick by the Celtics a few years ago. Some of the guys that played college basketball, Roman Sorkin, who went to a Final Four and won a couple of Pac-12 championships at Oregon. Uh, Jake Cohen, who played at Davidson 
and one of the best players in Davidson history, not named Steph Curry. Uh, even though he's a Pennsylvania native, he can play for the uh, Israeli national team being Jewish. So it was a strong team that Auburn played, and, and the Israeli team won the last game. It was really good competition, and I, I think for Bruce Pearl and his kids to go through the experience and play that kind of competition, it, it was it was a great trip. Well, sensational that you got to experience it as well, and in uh, you know bring viewers back here uh, stateside, you know all the action. Well, you work with Jay Billis, you know for those games, but I'd be remiss not to ask you about one of your other regular partners. Bill Walton, you know, I know you, you've worked a ton of games with Bill. Um, you hung out with him. Yeah. Ooh. I'm trying to yeah. forget that guy. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Yeah. No, no, that's his shtick. I can't use that. <laughs> that's right. But Tell us actually, about what it's like. I mean, what? how do you pull that off, being the play-by-play announcer alongside a personality like Bill Walton? Well, first off, Phil, it was really refreshing to be able to just talk basketball during a game and actually be able to have a conversation with my analyst about the game we're watching. Uh, but, but seriously, Bill's the best. He really is. Um, there isn't a more welcoming, engaging, smart. I mean, Bill's, Bill is brilliant. He really is. And he's got a, a, a method to his madness. Uh, and it is, I mean, if I could go back and talk to my 13, 14-year-old self, 10-year-old, whatever, I'm going to become friends and get to work with Bill Walton. Are you serious? Like, I, I, that's what I get to do? And I don't, I don't take that for granted either because I just soak up the knowledge, everything it, that I can get from him when I'm around him, the stories that he tells. Uh, it's just, he's just an amazing person. And I think people see this caricature on television it's, it, I, let me clue you in on the secret. I'm going to pull back the curtain here. It's an act, okay? If he wanted to be cookie-cutter analyst, Bill's done that. He could do it. But Bill, I think this is good it's stimulation for him. And he's, his ability to inform the audience and make it a well-rounded broadcast and culture the audience so they're not just, okay, laser-focused in on this game. And I learn stuff all the time, and I have never had any clue he, guys, he never opens the door to what is going to happen that night. The, essentially, the first conversation of that day that Bill and I are having is, hi, welcome to Pauley Pavilion, along with the Hall of Famer, Bill Walden. I'm Roxy Bernstein. That's the first time we're really talking all day. We go to shoot-arounds, but we sit at opposite ends of the gym. We may say hello, then even if I even try to ask him, Bill, how, hey, how, how's your day? How's Lori doing? He'll look at me with his quizzical look and say, save it for the air. <laughs> so I can't even have a conversation with him. So that's the first time we're talking all day. I like and it. It's, it's just I cherish every time I get to work with him. I really do. We like to needle him, and we like to prod him a little bit. But Dave Pash and I have talked about this frequently. We wouldn't trade it for anything. And you've been to a dead show with him? Is that correct, Roxy? So I am – self-professed here i am not a deadhead but i had to go just one time especially with him right so i had just gotten back uh i was doing the diamond head classic one year in honolulu this was right before covid so this was 20 new year's eve 2019 2020 and so i just got back bill and i did a game uh in la i think we did a back-to-back esc and ucla games 
right before New Year's. And he is needling me, chiding me about, you're scared. Like he asked me about the dead and he's, oh, you don't want to go. You can't handle it. And he is just tempting me and whipping me with all this banter about the dead. And my family was gone. They were, they were out of town. So I'm home alone. They were playing at the Chase Center in San Francisco on New Year's Eve. And so I called Bill the day before. All right, Bill, I'm in. I'm coming. And then he responds, come if you dare. <laughs> and sure enough, show up, hanging out with Bill and Lori back. Like Bill's like a member of the Dead and Company. He really is. Because so the show's New Year's Eve. It's packed. It is an unbelievable atmosphere. It's just a fabulous show. And I get to meet all the guys you know, Bob Weir backstage, uh, John Mayer was playing with them. It's just phenomenal. And so, and Chris Mullen and his wife are hanging out and going to the show with us. And so sure enough, about 1115, Bill's like, hey, come with me. So we go backstage and Bill's dressing up as Father Time. Bill is going out on stage with the dead to do the midnight countdown <laughs> here in San Francisco in front of 18,000 people. And... The video of him dancing on the stage at midnight. He's on the drum riser. He was completely in his element, and it was awesome to see. <laughs> uh, tough transition off that one, Roxy, but uh, you are in Texas right now uh, calling the A's and Rangers and kind of how the difference of calling you know local radio for a team um, you know, especially on the road and traveling, uh, kind of bring our, you know, there's a lot of uh, aspiring broadcasters who are listening to this wondering what life on the road is like, uh, you know, following a, a local team around. Well, a lot of sitting around during the day if it's a night game, but doing work, sitting in the room, I get out a little bit. But it's a, it's a different broadcast, and it's an A-centric broadcast as opposed to when I'm doing a game for ESPN. We're right down the middle, we're neutral, playing for both sides. And, you know, calling games for ESPN Radio, Major League Baseball, it's a little bit different of a presentation. But it is good to get to know the guys. You're on the ends to what's going on. And traveling with the team, it makes it easier. You kind of pull for these guys because you get to know them, you want them to do well. And you understand your audience. It's, it's a different audience than the national game, which I call the majority of the time. And I only do about, you know, 20 ace games a year, pinch hit relief for whether it's Ken Korak or Vince Catronia, who I'm working with. Um, but it is just good to be around a local group and a good bunch of people. Mark Kotze, the whole staff, treat us great, keep us informed of what's going on. And it's, it's neat to call nine innings a night. And, you know, I did that. I've done that for 162 games. I'm not saying I don't want to do that in the future, but right now that's not what I want to do. I'm happy just pinch hitting, dropping in, doing this. But it's a good group to be involved with, even though it's been a rough season for the A's so far this year. Still a good group of guys to be around. Now, uh, you have done play-by-play, I mean, virtually uh, for every sport. What, uh, San Jose, Cal? Did you also do the inaugural XFL? Were you a part of that broadcast? I did. I was the radio voice of the San Francisco Demons in the first installment of the XFL that played at what's now Oracle Park in San Francisco. Um, Merton Hanks 
who played for the 49ers, won Super Bowls, who's oddly enough, here's how things come full circle. Merton now is in charge of football operations. He's the associate commissioner for the Pac-12 running football. So <laughs> here is Merton and I crossing paths again, and Merton's awesome. And I love working with him. So the inaugural year of the XFL, we had a blast. It was great. We had really good crowds. We were the one franchise that did really well. If you go back and look at the attendance numbers, the Demons were averaging about 33,000, 34,000 fans a game. It was a place to be in, in San Francisco. Unfortunately, we were the only one that had that kind of success, and the league folded after one year. Right. But I loved every second of working in the XFL back in the day. They'd, they'd parade rustlers through my booth. Here I am you know, interviewing The Undertaker uh, during the middle of a game. The, the funniest one... <laughs> There was the, the wrestler, the Billy Gunn, the one Billy Gunn. Well, he was also at that time known as Mr. Ass. Right. Right. So I'm like, oh, hmm, do I call him Mr. Ass on the radio? <laughs> you know, and I kind of rustled with that for a second. I just said, screw it. That's who he is. This is WWE, you know, owned uh, football. I'm doing it. And so, but it was neat. I interviewed Vince McMahon. Linda, Mc Linda McMahon could not have been a nicer lady. She was great and all the people, they treated us fabulously. Only problem is it only lasted one year, and that was a disappointment for me. One year. Uh, and, uh, you know, the different things, you know, as I mentioned, I, I program a station here, and every weekend there's about six, seven different college football games, and I feel like your name is almost on all of them, like Touchdown Radio, Sports USA, ESPN. You have certainly gotten checks from a lot of different outlets. Either I'm upsetting a lot of people because I keep bouncing around or maybe they just happen to like me for some stupid reason. Right. Know. But so during the football season, I, I still do a handful of games on national radio when I have bye weeks from television. Uh, but mostly I'm doing TV for the Pac-12 network. Uh, so I'm getting ready now. Here we are, what, the middle of August. I'm getting ready for football and I still have baseball season to do. But that I, I love the variety. It keeps it fresh. And as you guys know, the broadcasts for television as opposed to radio are very different. Yeah. And I always have to reinforce to myself uh, what broadcast I'm doing and how to present it that day. And then sometimes, okay, wh which network am I working for today? Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that goes into the fun for me. It, it keeps it fresh. I love the variety. And, and look, these days I, I get to do college football, college basketball, Major League Baseball, college baseball in the postseason for ESPN. Uh, last year when he had, and the NHL rights came to ESPN, I got to do some NHL games, which I, I, I love. I have a huge passion for hockey. My, my son's a pretty good junior player. So I, I love the variety. It keeps it fresh and it keeps it exciting. And again, like I said before, I wouldn't trade with what I'm doing right now for anything. Now, Roxy, Kevin Kugler was on with us a few weeks ago and told us, mm -hmm. you know, he had to do seven games in seven days in seven different cities. Have you had such a journey, uh, a streak like that? I have. And, and again, I'm sure people are really, you know, playing the violin and feeling sorry for me. Uh, but that's why you got to get your rest. You got to be smart about how you do things. The craziest thing was, this is years ago. I, this was only a five game in five cities and five nights. But it was two different sports in two different countries. 
And I was doing Cal basketball on the radio at the time, but also pinch hitting uh, for Dan Rusinowski, uh, who does San Jose Sharks on radio. And Dan was in a horrific car accident. And luckily, it took time, but Dan's doing great, was able to come back, and he's still doing an unbelievable job as the voice of the Sharks to this day. But I was pinch hitting for him while he was recuperating and, and coming back. So I had a stretch of five games and five nights. I woke up the fifth day, and I woke up right before. This is when we used to get alarm uh, wake-up calls in the room. And right before, and I'm trying to figure out where I am before it came. And I had no clue where I was. I had been in L.A., the Bay Area, um, Edmonton. And I'm looking around, and then all of a sudden the call comes. I still have no idea where I'm at. <laughs> and I answer the phone. They go, good morning. It's minus. It's 9 a.m. It's minus 5 degrees. And then, okay, I'm in Canada. That I can tell you. Oh, I'm in Calgary. We're playing Calgary tonight. That's where I am. <laughs> that's the craziest thing that's ever happened. Like waking up in a hotel room and I, and I have no idea where I am. Like I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the wrong hotel room. Just I, I get my number confused and not knowing what room I'm in. You're in and out of so many hotel rooms. But that was the only time I woke up and I had no idea where I was. One more, Roxy, if we can kind of go back in the, the memory banks a little. Back to those Miami Marlins days. You know, what comes to mind as far as that experience, how it helped shape you into to who you are today and, you know, some of the names you may have worked with back then? First and foremost, it was the opportunity to work with Dave Van Horn. Here is a Hall of Famer who'd been doing it forever. And I got to sit every day and soak up knowledge from him, do 162 games with a legend. Uh, he was the first voice in the history of the Montreal Expos. And he welcomed me with open arms, could not have been a better mentor to me. And I learned so much from Dave and what it's like to be a professional, to be a major league broadcaster. And he paved a, a great path for me. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, every day I got to call a game with Dave. And we had a good group that we traveled with. He, it was just him and I on radio. And Jesse Agler, who worked with us, who's now the voice of the San Diego Padres. Um, Rich Waltz and Tommy Hutton on the TV side. And Craig Minervini. And Craig still is one of my close friends. I talk to Craig all the time. Um and then just the baseball people that we traveled with. I had three managers in three years. It was Jack McKeon's final year in 2005. Joe Girardi the one year, which was certainly an, uh, an adventure in 2006 with what I saw firsthand. And his one year at the Marlins when he was the National League Manager of the Year and they fired him. And then Freddie Gonzalez, his first year, 2007. A lot of great players. I got to watch Miguel Cabrera play every day. Uh, Dontrell Willis, I, I still go back to 2005. Should have won the Cy Young. I know they gave it to Chris Carpenter, but if you go back and look at the numbers, Dontrell deserved it. He had a better year. And Dontrell and I still talk about that. It still bothers him that he didn't win it. He'll never say it publicly, but I know privately it bothers him that he didn't win it. But it was just a great group of people to be around. I enjoyed it every day. But at the end of the day, just Florida wasn't for me. And I'm a Californian born and raised, and we just had our daughter, and I had to make some decisions. And... And I, I just wanted to be back in California, raise our kids there. And there were opportunities that were popping up there as well. So it made it a smooth transition to go back to the Bay Area full time. Uh, we'll finish with this. Roxy Bernstein's our guest. What's 2022? The rest of it kind of look like. What are you getting ready for? Uh, where will people be able to hear you this season for the various sports into 2023? 
Well, a couple more games here on this road trip of the A's before we head home. And then I've got some uh, MLB on ESPN Radio coming up. End of the month, I've got a Saturday, Sunday night, uh, Braves Cardinals. Um, Labor Day, I'm going to be in Houston doing the Astros against the Rangers. And there's going to be some more games that are going to be picked as, as September progresses toward the playoffs. I'll be working the postseason for ESPN Radio. College football starting up soon. And then, of course, we head into college basketball, which is going to start in the early part of November. And I love how the, the, the calendar keeps going, the cycle keeps turning, and I'm completely good with that. Keep throwing stuff at me. I'm not going to complain. By the way, he also called the Home Run Derby this year. I did. On ESPN Radio. That, that's that been was something. a unique experience. That was vastly different than anything I've ever done. Yeah. I mean, when I'm looking up and I'm seeing three baseballs in the air at the same time, and trying to figure, okay, which one am I supposed to be watching? That was that was unique. That was hectic, but it was uh, great to be a part of with Boog Shambi and uh, Doug Glanville. Well, uh, the wild ride Roxy Bernstein just took us on from a Grateful Dead show uh, <laughs> to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. It's been a pleasure having you on here with us on the Announcer Schedule podcast and uh, giving our listeners a little insight on uh, what it's like to – Basically, be behind the mic for all the sports, Roxy. We appreciate it. Mike, Phil, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks Roxy so much, Bernstein Roxy. has been our guest here on the Announcer Schedule podcast, Phil. So we uh, wrap up with Roxy. We appreciate him. And, uh, boy, uh, how about that? Uh, Grateful Dead, Miami, Marlins, all of it. I mean, you heard uh, he's had quite a, the career. Yeah, I, I loved hearing those stories. Um, it, not to mention, I mean, he was just in Israel of all yes. places on a on a work assignment. So um, yeah, the globe trotting Roxy Bernstein, and, and great to hear those stories. Um, a lot of it near and dear to my heart. You know, I, all the time I spent down um, working Marlins games myself. Um, not to mention, I have sort of a, you know soft spot for for anything related to the bay area out in out in san francisco uh my good buddy adam haft out there who hosts me and actually was a classmate with roxy once upon a time at, at cal berkeley so i've i've had roxy's um name um in my consciousness you know since you know we were both in college you know back in the the 90s and uh yeah his career has been a really fascinating one to watch unfold and anybody who can uh, handle Bill Walton on, on these yeah. telecasts and get through those shows, you know, um, from one week to the next, you know, my, my hat, uh, you know, is tipped towards, uh, you know, anybody can pull that one off. Well, I'm just glad I got to put a face, uh, to the name. I've seen his name written on emails, uh, all the time. I've heard his voice on our airwaves here in Atlantic city for years. And that was great to catch up with Roxy Bernstein, our guest this week on the Announcer Scheduled Podcast. All right, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, by the way, if you miss Rick Allen, John Forslund, Bob Wischusen, uh Mark Kescher, Kevin Kugler, Larry Colmus, anybody I forget, you can go back through the uh, Sports Media Watch feed and go back and listen to uh, some of our uh, past interviews because they're timeless. Uh, a lot of these interviews, uh, they tell you about their journey, nights like um, – uh, Roxy just told us they tell us about traveling and stories where they have to travel all over the place. And everybody has their unique way of getting into this business. So if you're somebody who's looking to get in the business, go back and listen to our uh, past conversations. So uh, episode 11 in the books, Phil, any final thoughts? 
Well, um, just want to thank Roxy once again for, for joining us. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation. And yeah, uh, be sure to follow Announcer Skeds on Twitter. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the start of football, uh, where you'll see a lot of activity every Saturday and Sunday morning as we roll out the announcer pairings uh, for you know, NFL and college football just around the corner. And, you know, it's starting to all fall into place as, about, as far as, you know, who to expect on, on some of these games. And uh, can't wait to get it started. All right. Uh, so we'll be back next week with another edition of the Announcer Schedule podcast. Phil DeMont Mullen at Announcer Skeds. I'm Mike Gill. You can follow me at Mike Gill Show. We'll have episode 12 for you next week here on the Sports Media Watch feed. This has been the Announcer Schedule Podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.